0: This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB
1: underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glynn, and this is episode 85 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11, and you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you enjoy what we do with the On The Banks podcast, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us just by searching On The Banks. With Rutgers football in full swing and Rutgers basketball about to return, make sure to check out OnTheBanks.com for all your Rutgers news, opinions, and information on every game and everything happening during the week. As we sit now days away from the start of the 2020-2021 Rutgers basketball season, I am so excited to be joined on episode 85 by the Dean of the NJ Basketball Beat, Jerry Carino, and the voice of Rutgers men's basketball, Jerry Recco. This season for Rutgers basketball, look, it'll be a strange one for sure, as it will be for every college basketball team. There will be stoppages, cancellations, postponements. But at the end of the day, my hope, as well as I'm sure all of yours, is that we have a college basketball season and get to the NCAA tournament. And look, getting to the NCAA tournament for the first time in a long time is the expectation for this Rutgers team. COVID took the opportunity away from them last year, but now with basically everybody back, getting to the tournament is a must. Now look, this program hasn't faced these kind of expectations in a long time. These players haven't dealt with these kind of expectations since they got to Rutgers. And really anything less than that from this program, I think we'd all agree would be a disappointment. But as you'll hear from both Jerry and Jerry, this team is good. It's that simple. This team is deep. They have talent top to bottom. They have great leadership and they now have winning experience. There are only two things in my opinion that can stop this team in the upcoming season. COVID is one of them and the other one is themselves. As long as there is a season, I think it'll be a fun one. I'm confident that this season will certainly be one to remember and big things will happen for this program. So, Rutgers fans, I implore you, let's get ready. Let's buckle up. Rutgers basketball is back, and I know we all can't wait to see what this team does.
2: Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn.
1: Joining me now to talk Rutgers basketball ahead of the beginning of what will surely be a, you know, let's just say different season at the least, is college basketball writer for the Asbury Park Press, Jerry Carino. Jerry, as always, appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for joining me. Right before we start, like I said, what will certainly be a different college basketball season this year.
2: Well, let's hope. Let's hope there's a start to the season. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, Lance? Because you know, every day you're hearing about new cancellations, and it's just uncharted waters for us. So normally, normally around this time, you know, with the week to go to tip-off of six days, I'm. I'm really pumped up and fired up and bouncing off walls. But this year, i got to tell you, I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen, about the, the uncertainty of it all, and about the difficulty of figuring out day-to-day what's next. So it is the nerves of this predominant feeling rather than excitement right now, and that's just where the world's at.
1: Most certainly, and look, we're certainly keeping our fingers crossed that the season does start on time and that while cancellations might come, Uh, they're able to get through a season and ultimately, and hopefully get to an NCAA tournament. But Jerry, I want to start with this. Look, you're used to, and you kind of just mentioned it, you're used to, and not just for Rutgers, more openness when it comes to preseason practices, right? Interviewing the players up close, really getting to know the teams you cover in a more accessible way. That's obviously all changed because of COVID. How weird has it been for you that we're now about a week away, hopefully from the beginning of the season and the usual things you would do prior to a normal year are just not available in 2020.
2: Yeah, it really kind of stinks. I mean, I always tell people my favorite month on the beat is October because that's when I get a first look at the team. You know, it's just me in practice. Usually I go see Rutgers. I go see Seton Hall a few times each. And uh, I get to really see the players uh, before anyone else does. And, sort of get, get a sneak preview of what's coming, get a feel for, for who's who's good and who's ready and how the team is gelled. And, uh, and I get FaceTime with the players, you know, with uh, sit down with them in the bleachers and talk and do interviews and, you know, just even just talk casually. It's really valuable to someone in my job. So I, I lost a lot of that this year. Uh, I was fortunate that uh, Rockers and Seton Hall both set up Zoom interviews with, you know, one player a week for me. So, I could get a little FaceTime. Uh, it wasn't quite the same, but it worked okay. And then uh, Rutgers had the media day, which I thought was great. I was really grateful they did that. <clears throat> so, I was able to watch practice. And then the interviews afterwards were on Zoom. So, I just, you know, it was weird because, like they said, I was going to practice ended early. Pikes wrapped it up early, and it was 35 minutes until the Zoom call was scheduled to start. So, what am I going to do for 35 <laughs> minutes? Uh, so, I, I, got, I got my car and drove halfway down the turnpike my home, I live in Burlington County, and and I did the Zoom interview from a rest stop with eighteen-wheelers whizzing by. It's like, what the heck is my God? (laughs) This is not the way it's supposed to be. So, and Pike was like, "Where are you?" You know, it's bizarre. So, this is where we're at. I I was grateful to get to see Rockers once. Uh, I was really impressed. I'll get to that in a minute. I didn't see Seton Hall at all because I was going to go see them. I did have an invitation to go up there, but then you know they shut down practice because they had a coronavirus outbreak on the team. So. So I haven't seen them also. I, I don't really know what to expect from them, but I I was, I knew once I saw Rutgers uh, it, it was good and that they're going to be good. So we can get into that, but it is strange. I do feel like I'm less prepared uh, than, than usual. And, uh, you know, it, it, it did suck the fun out of the job a little bit. So I'm not going to lie. So it's, And after games this year, it's going to kind of stink to not see guys face-to-face and look them in the eye and sit across the table from them. Uh, yeah, just you lose a lot when you're doing these things over a screen. And it's disappointing, but that's just where we're at, so we don't have a choice.
1: So let's get straight into expectations for Rutgers. You know, you mentioned you think they're gonna be they're gonna be a good team this year. I I hope that comes to fruition. I think all Rutgers fans do. But I remember at this time last year, around this time last year, you came on the podcast and I think we both had similar expectations to have an over five hundred record and an N I T berth Well, The over 500 record happened, both overall and in conference play, and instead of an NIT, Rutgers was headed to the NCAA tournament had it happened. This year, all expectations are for this team to head to the tournament, as long as there is one, but is it a stretch to even say that expectations shouldn't just be a tournament berth, but maybe even a trip to the Sweet 16 and the second weekend in the NCAA tournament? So,
2: I I, I see where you're going with that, and I understand it, all I'll say is, I hate to say how far can a team get in the tournament without seeing the draw, you know? So, it's like the draw is everything in, in March Madness. Of course. Uh, and it, it will be different this year because the whole thing looks like it's going to be in Indianapolis. So, that takes away a lot of the, the regional stuff. And if Rutgers is a really good year, it could be a net negative for them because, like, you know, there was a, there was a Providence uh, pod and there was another one, I think, in Carolina. So, like, Rutgers could have been up in Providence with, you know, all these Rutgers fans taken it over the building for the first weekend, and uh, if they if Rutgers got a you know a good seed like a top four type of seed, which is very possible, and uh, and now they're going to be in Indianapolis, which you know might be no fans, and at best you might have like just a smattering of fans from everywhere, but you know, no one's going to take over that court. So so um, it's hard to say without the draw. I will say this: uh, they this Rutgers team is really good. We knew they were good on paper, and I was very impressed with what I saw at the. Media day practice uh, Friday before last. Uh, just the team is, is has everything one through eight, one through eight. They're dynamite now. You know, everybody has questions at the end their bench, and Rutgers only has 11 guys uh, that are eligible that are active. Caleb McConnell, most likely red shirting, uh, gonna stick with his red shirt to peel his pad back. But uh, one through eight, Rutgers is really good. I mean, I was super impressed by what I saw, way better. Than they were at this point last year, like you know, a week or two before the season. Way better this year. Uh, so this team looks like it could do some real damage. Now, you know, I'm again. It's hard to say can they, how deep can they go in to the tournament without a bracket. But I do, I do agree with the general sentiment that the goal, the goal is no longer just to break that 30, you know, year old skid that everybody talks about and get in, you know, see your name on Selection Sunday and get into the field of 68. That's no longer really the goal for this team. The goal for this team is to is to do Damage on a national scale and it go deep into March, but hard to say how deep without the bracket draw. But like I said, I like everything that I've seen. All my instincts doing this for a long time tells me this team has a chance to really do something special.
1: And of course, look, in order to get a top seed and hopefully get put in a good bracket for the NCAA tournament, they have to go through the Big Ten, which is always a gauntlet. The conference schedule came out recently, and I think it's more favorable for Rutgers this year than it has been previously. It's definitely a schedule that's more difficult at the beginning with a softer closing to the end of it. What are your takeaways on the schedule that Rutgers was ultimately dealt this year for the Big Ten?
2: It's really hard to say because, first of all, the Big Ten is loaded, so... It's a great league, but Rutgers is part of that being loaded. Like, they're one of the loaded teams in the loaded league. So, it's not like, oh my God, they got to do this and this. Now, Rutgers can beat anybody on that schedule. Uh, But uh, the league's really good. Like, they got, you know, they have seven top 25 teams. That's a tremendous amount. Uh, That's just about the maximum any conference is ever going to have. And Rutgers opens with five of them in the first, you know, couple weeks. So, that's hard. But I don't, you don't even know, like, who are those games even going to all go off in order? I mean, probably not. There's probably going to be some COVID shutdowns. I would think so. They're, just, they're not bubbling up the big 10. They're going to play at home sites. They're going to travel. Um, so there's going to be, there's going to be some COVID shutdowns. They're probably going to lose a couple of games. There's some, there's some flexibility built into the schedule, but they're going to, that's that schedule is not going to be what they play. Now I couldn't tell you which games get moved. Do any get canceled? Um, You know, I couldn't tell you any of that, but they're not going to play that schedule you're looking at. There's going to be some changes, perhaps significant changes to it. So it's hard to say, uh, but they could beat anybody. You know, they should be, they deserve to be a top five team in a media poll, which I ranked them fifth. They came in fifth. Uh, But who knows, schedule wise, other than the Big Ten is very tough, and it should definitely, you know, prepare them and enhance their resume. The other thing is about the Big Ten is the Big Ten, I think, of all the leagues in college basketball, has the greatest home courts. Like, we all know about the rack and how terrific it is, but a lot of these home courts at these other sites are just equally on, on, on a similar level of intensity and different degree of difficulty for visitors. Um, and you know, you don't—I mean, you don't know how teams are going to react in playing before empty gyms. How's Rutgers going to react when there's no one at the rack and they're pumping in crowd noise from speakers? You know, how, how is uh, how is Wisconsin going to? They have a tremendous record at home. How are they going to react there? If there's nobody there, and are some places like Nebraska going to have ten thousand people? I mean, they might. You know, there's different states have different approaches to this virus, so so there might be some unevenness there as far as some people having fans. So I don't know how that's going to play out. It's so hard to handicap this season, uh, Lance. So, but look at the schedule at a glance. Yeah, it looks hard in the beginning, but like Rutgers shouldn't be afraid of anything. They're that good. Um, what I will say is Rutgers' big s- schedule challenge right now is they have no non-conference games. <laughs> oh I mean, they have they have nothing almost. We're
1: they're anxiously not- awaiting have- the non-conference.
2: Well, it's not done. It's <laughs> not done. I mean, you know, I, I, when is it, I don't know. There might be some days elapsed between when we do this interview and when it airs. But, like, as of now, it's not done. So there, there's three games that they're playing that I know of at, at this particular time. I mean, the opening against Sacred Heart on Wednesday... Uh, you know, that's a layup type of game for them to get get the juices flowing. And then they have FDU Friday, Black Friday, another Black Friday on that night. And that's, again, FDU is good. They're going to win their league, but they're not going to beat Rutgers. So that's that's two games to get going. And then, you know, the Syracuse game on the 8th at the then the challenge games. So that's it. I mean, that's only half so far. So, like, they have to add some games. Now, are they going to get up to seven games? The maximum non-conference game? Probably not. I doubt they're going to get to seven. I doubt they're going to add four more games at this point. Uh, are they going to – do they have to add at least two more? Yeah, they're going to have to play at least two more. I don't. Right now, I don't know who that's going to be against. And we'll see. Will one of them be against Seton Hall? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. But they're going to have to add two more games, and they really should help themselves by adding one more quality game. Like They should have another strong out-of-conference game because when you're Rutgers right now, you're – I mean, this you're, you're thinking big. Like, you're playing for seed in the NCAA tournament. You're going to want that resume to be as good as possible. And, yeah, the Big Ten will help you, but it'll, it won't hurt to have a couple out-of-confidence a uh, nice signature wins, too.
1: So let's look at this team, and I want to start with who they have to replace, Aqwasi Aboa and Shaq Carter. Not just looking at production, leadership-wise... Those are two big holes they have to fill. Two captains, and of course, Gio returns as that third captain last year. Now, right now, at least, the only captain we know of. But who are you looking at to rise up and fill those leadership roles that are now open with the departures of Aquazi and Shaq?
2: Let me start by saying I don't think there's really that much to fill. Like, I, It's nothing against those guys. Uh, Shaq was very quiet. Quazi's a good dude, and you know, he, was, he was a great team guy, but he, he was only there one year. Uh, so I think they'll miss a quasi-three-point shooting. You know, that's that's something that... He's the best three-point be shooter, so that's something they're going to miss. And he's a good glue guy, made the right plays, etc. He's a loss on the court, but leadership. wise, right, This is Geo Baker's team. I mean, he, Geo was a leader last year. Geo's a leader this year. I think Ron Harper is becoming his right-hand man. You know, Ron is, is going to be like the 1A type of leader. Uh, so those are, there's no leadership problem at all. Geo's team... Great, all-time great leadership qualities. Ron is right there with him, really good. So that's, I think that is, and Miles Johnson also. Uh, you know, these guys, this is good leadership on this team. Not an issue at
1: all. You recently saw practice, obviously, for, for Media Day, and you wrote about the four-man freshman class. I want to start with Cliff. What impressed you most about him when you watch practice, and what do you think are reasonable expectations for fans? Because, look, one of Rutgers' highest-rated recruits ever – fans are going to be expecting a lot from him, even during his freshman year.
2: Yeah, he's a great athlete. You know, they, don't, they haven't had an athlete like him at that size in a long time. You know, I don't know. May, it's a very, very long time. Maybe since Roy Hinson. Uh, and you're talking about, you know, 37 years. So, uh, he's a great athlete. You know, he's just a tremendous physical specimen. He's a true center, okay? He, he's gonna, his game is all going to be right around the rim. Defensively, he's a shot blocker. You know, he has a chance to be a hominette and quality rim protector. Good rebounder too. I saw a nice passing touch that I was not expecting. He passed the ball very well and seemed to have a very good court awareness in the five out fives I saw uh, at media day. So that was something that was impressive. Uh, you know, I, he has good hands. Like he did, they, they threw him some, some nice lobs and entry passes, a couple bounce passes. He caught everything cleanly. So that's big. And, uh, yeah, he he's good. I know he's not going to listen. He's not going to hit jump shots. I don't know about his free throw shooting. He's not going to hit jump shots. He has no, you know, he has no shot, not yet. Uh, but he's not going to need it really. But uh, he's got a learning curve defensively. Look, he's he he got beat off the pick and roll a few times. He was out of position a few times. He was chasing Miles Johnson to the perimeter, which Miles Johnson's never taken a three pointer in his life. Uh, there's no need to do that. So he, you know, he got he left the lane open a few times. He's going to learn it, and Pike cool, I think, was—he was a little down on his team's defense at the media day. He, you know, coaches do that with young guys. That's the biggest thing—the biggest thing newcomers have to adjust to in college—is playing defense, uh, because they're just—you know—they're used to just relying on physical ability in high school, and there's a team concept that really in college has to be drilled down. So he's going to learn, but I foresee him as the, starting out as the backup center behind Miles Johnson and playing a lot of minutes being high in the rotation, you know, off the bench. And he's going to have some spectacular moments. He's going to send some balls in the seats, and he's going to rattle some rims. He's going to be fun to watch. Fans are going to love watching him. And But he's a freshman, so he's not going to, you know, he's not going to, uh, I don't think he's going to be a first-team All-Big Ten player. But I do think there's a chance, there's a very good chance that he'll be a, a, unlike any player they've had as far as a rim protector, physical paint presence in a very, very long time.
1: And what about the other three? You know, Mawat Mog, Dean Reber, Oscar Palmquist. You know, the impact of those three are still to be determined. We could see, a, you know, maybe a couple of them play minutes. We could see a couple of them redshirt. Um, what roles do you see them playing this season? And which of them, I guess, stood out to you during practice at Media Day? I
2: don't think I don't think they'll redshirt because you're already down to eleven guys, uh, and uh, you know you're going to need a lot of guys this year, especially if guys are sick. So you yeah, I don't foresee redshirting, but I think. Mag is going to be in the rotation. Like, he'll be in that top eight I was talking about. Uh, He's a good player, better than everybody thought, better than Rutgers thought. No one really saw him last year. He was three months with an infection in his jaw, and it must have been really bad. And uh, the first week that they were on campus, I got a text from somebody in the program who said, this kid is is so much better than we thought. Shocker, big shocker, how good Mag was. And, look, I'm not saying he's going to be, like, I don't think he's going to be all Big Ten rookie team type of player, okay? But uh, he he will be a, a key piece to the puzzle for them. Versatile, tough, uh, fearless. You know, he, he he defender, rebounder, can get to the rim. Got a little mid range game. He's gonna he's gonna be a factor. He's gonna be a factor. So they like him. He fits in with the way they play. So he he's a good find for them. The other two guys I think are going to be. De- longer-term development type of guys. Palmquist has a nice stroke. He he needs to get, I think he needs to get a little stronger, a little tougher um, if he's going to play forward in the Big Ten, and uh, uh, Dean Dean Reber plays his butt off, plays super hard, but uh, I think he's, you know, he's got some development to to do before he's, he's pretty far down in the depth chart because Rutgers has some bigs like we've talked about, Miles Johnson and Cliff Omarue, who are going to take a lot of that time in the power positions. So those two guys are going to be end-of-rotation guys, I think. You know, 9, 10, 11. They'll play, uh, but they won't be on the court at the beginning of the end of games. And, you know, they'll they'll get their minutes in and get their feet wet, but they won't be. I don't think they're going to be key guys who, are like, wins and losses are going to ride on what they do.
1: Look, the loss of Caleb McConnell this year, it's a big one, right? He can guard multiple positions. He can score on multiple levels and his versatility starting and coming off the bench was huge for this team, especially when injuries happened. And, you know, you mentioned it's very possible that kids could get sick this year with, you know, obviously COVID running rampant. How do you replace the value that McConnell brought and who do you look at to, I guess, kind of play a similar role that he did, or at least kind of replace um, the value that he brought to this team being able to do so many things?
2: Let me just say, first of all, I think he's a terrific player. I, I really like him. I've always liked him. Uh, he just brings so much value that you can't see in a stat sheet. And you almost, if you're not paying close attention to a game, you won't even see it. Like the loose balls that he gets, the disruptions that he causes, the versatility, his ability to guard one through three or one through four. You know? Uh, just a, he's just a glue guy. And no ego, you know, we'll do whatever he's asked. And that's important because this, listen, there's, there's, these guys are all likable, but there's some guys on this team who are going to pout if they come off the bench. And there's, they're on every team and they're on Rutgers too. Uh, he is not one of those guys. and You need those guys to help the, you know, to help the, the wheels move along. So like he's a valuable guy. Uh, I do think they will him. I don't know. There's any player quite like him on a team. It's not a deal breaker. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to fall out of the NCAA tournament because he's not playing. It's not like losing Ron Harper or Geo Baker. But, but, you know, he's, they're going to miss him. And so, but you, I think Mag has a chance to get some of those minutes. I think Paul Mulcahy he takes on a bigger role. Uh, you know, he'll have the ball in his hands a lot more uh, and be in the backcourt a lot more with, now that, uh, that Caleb's not going to be playing. So, and I think it opens the door for maybe some of those freshmen to get a few more minutes. So, it won't be one guy. It'll be a group of guys who get more minutes. And are probably better for it in the long run but I do think they're gonna miss him. I do think it's it's no there's no way there's no way that an Oscar Palmquist or or even a, a maywa mag is going to come in and and give you what he what McConnell would have given you I just do not see that this year
1: Geo Baker and Jacob young enter their senior years of course this year is a wash in terms of eligibility everyone gets another season what do you think Geo and Jacob what do you think I guess not what they will do but what's on their mind regarding this you know wash of a year this no eligibility kind of year and, and have they said anything about their plans for next year
2: first of all i don't think anybody really is going to make a decision until after the season i think if Rutgers gets a full season so let me let me take this in three parts one is no one's going to decide until after the season's over they said that i believe that's true put yourself in their shoes why decide now there's no rush to decide now i know steve pleckel would welcome them back the red carpet will be there if they want to come back the door will be open. But uh, I do think generally speaking, the majority of players of seniors will not come back in college basketball. I think most of them will move on with their lives, start the professional clock. Uh, if, you go, if you have any intention of playing pro ball, the older you get, the harder it gets. So I think, I think a lot of these guys are just going to go on with their lives. Speaking generally, you know this idea that most people will come that most people will not come back. Now on one team could a bunch of guys come back? Sure. But I think in Rutgers' case, I, I think it, a lot of it depends on what happens. Like with, when Geo, I really think Geo, if Geo Baker goes out the way he wants to go out, then I think that's going to factor into the decision of him not to, come, you know, to come back or not come back. If Geo Baker' season is curtailed and the coronavirus wrecks the whole thing, and you know there's unfinished business or there's an air of there's an air of uh, non non finality, no closure. Then I think that weighs in his decision. Some I really do. So I think Baker's going to really see what happens this year and then decide. That's just my gut instinct, you know, from what he's said about it. I, I don't know about Jacob Young. He's older. Uh, you know, he's got he's got a, he's got a family members who play pro ball. I I, don't, I think he's le- probably less likely to come back. To be honest, I think he's he's more likely to leave than Gio. And you don't blame anybody for leaving. But I don't think you're really going to know until until next year. But I would not expect. I would not expect anyone to come back, and I would view anyone coming back as a bonus if you're looking at it from a fan's perspective.
1: Jerry, a couple more from me before I let you go. I think, and you may have mentioned it earlier, a worry that Rutgers fans may be having is the effect of no crowd, right? The Rack was one of, if not the best, home court advantage last season. And while they play there this year, of course, what made it such a great advantage was the Rack faithful that sold out over half the home games last year. What are your thoughts on not having a crowd at the Rack this season and how it will affect Rutgers during the home games this year?
2: First of all, it stinks, and everybody thinks it stinks. I think that, Michael thinks that, the players think that, certainly the people who count the money at Rutgers think that. Uh, It stinks that you can't have a crowd. It's just terrible. It's terrible fortune that the one year that Rutgers has this great team that there's going to be nobody there to watch the games in an environment that would be just off the hook. It just stinks. So it's it's a downer, you know? And Rutgers is going to have cutouts. I think that's cute. They're going to pump in fake crowd noise, which I hate. I hate the fake crowd noise. The cutouts are cute. It's it's funny. The, The fake crowd noise, is just It seems like it's trying too hard. I don't know. I'm not... I'm not a fan. I didn't like it with the NFL. I don't like the fake crowd noise. Um, I don't think the players, I don't think it's going to matter to them. I think that's silly. Maybe it'll sound good on TV. I don't know. I don't think it's going to make a darn difference to the players, the fake crowd noise. They're going to have decibel limits. I mean, you're not going to be able to crank the thing up all the way. Uh, it's probably going to hurt Rutgers. I mean, they're good. They're great at home, you know. It was just incredible at home last year. I think it's gonna one loss think it's probably going to hurt them. Is it going to is it going to side swipe their season? No, it's not going to do that. The team's too good for that. The other thing is Rutgers is older this year; they're more mature. You know, most of these guys are upperclassmen now, and uh, are the key players. And you know, they're going to be. I think they're going to be able to handle it a little better. And by the same token, they'll probably they'll pick off maybe a couple games on the road. They might not have in those crazy environments. So I don't think it'll offend affect the win loss that much. I do think it'll it'll they're and they might be more dependent on the crowd and the environment than like a Seton Hall, which plays in this giant hockey arena, you know, and, and that all, hardly ever fills it. Uh, but so I think it'll be a little bit of a hit. I don't think it'll be a dramatic hit. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't prevent me from putting them in the, in the preseason top 25. But uh, really, we're not going to know until they go out there and play, right? But it's going to be weird. You know, when I go, I, I'm going to go to some of the games uh, I think the press is. You know, I think select media members are going to be included in the 150-person count as uh, for essential personnel. It's going to be weird sitting there in an empty arena for everybody. So, you know, hopefully this is the only year we'll have to do it.
1: Look, it's been weird for NFL. It's been weird for college football. It'll definitely be weird for college basketball. Last one from me, Jerry, and I think you answered it earlier. Rutgers fans want to play it. Rutgers has said they want it to happen. There's a debate whether Seton Hall and Kevin Willard want to play the game. Make a prediction for us now. Do you think Rutgers and Seton Hall will find a common date and location for both schools to play this year?
2: No, I don't. And I just want to slightly amend what you said. Like, I think Rutgers players want to play it. I I know that the Rutgers coaching staff wants to play it. And I believe Seton Hall's players want to play it. And I think Seton Hall's administrators want to play it. And I think Seton Hall's students want to play it. And I don't know if Kevin Willard wants to play it. And I think that's kind of what's... I think that's the fly in the ointment here. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see. But uh, I would say no, because it's going to be hard. They have to line up the update on the bye week, which means they'll have to have a common bye, and the league schedules, and no coronavirus postponements because the league games come first. It's possible that if they have, like, early December wipeouts, let's just say hypothetically Syracuse has to cancel you know, they have a COVID shutdown for December 8th and then like Penn State has a COVID shutdown When seen all supposed to play them on December 6th that could happen and then you might see that game happen like that week so I think that's an easy that's an easy fix to do that uh, and I think if that was the case I, I do think Willard would say yes I think he would play it but uh, I just I feel like uh, that uh, this wasn't really handled well the communication was poor uh, and people were. this two sides just were not on the same page uh i understand that seat hall didn't want to burn a home turn because you know you're talking about seven or eight hundred thousand dollars a gate they'd be giving up it's a lot of money there and anywhere really and uh not to mention the home turn for their fans and the rivalry and the experience of that game at home i, I don't blame them for not wanting to burn the home turn i feel like if that was if that concern was expressed uh then uh you know it, it was communicated well and you know part of that is on ruckers end hearing it or anticipating it thinking, thinking it could be an issue like those things just were not properly communicated and i think that was why they couldn't they didn't figure out until it was too late that there was that there was a you know there was a disconnect uh, so it's possible they'll play like i said i do think if the date presents itself i think they will play it but uh my bigger concern Lance, is that what the situation you're in now is that you know if they don't play the game and Steve Michael is now on record saying well we want them to come to our place next year to honor the contract because that's the, it's their turn in the rotation basically Michaels what Michaels saying there is you know I'm annoyed that you could you could get your act together for this and uh, and you know you you're gonna forfeit your turn this year at home that's what he's saying there I mean a nicer language so like I my fear is that you know see hall's not going to go for that and then you they're going to draw a line in the sand and then figure the contract's going to get ripped up. And it, and it still has, you know, it still has, it goes through 2026. So, uh, I'm, I'm very concerned that the contract's going to get ripped up. I think you can, we can all survive if they don't play this year. You know, we, it would it would stink. It would be a bummer. I'd be bummed. It's a game that means it's a ton to me. I, it's, it's a game I've spent a lot of time chronically, you know, keeping the history of. But, uh, we can all survive if they don't play this year. But if they think the series goes belly up, you know that would be a tragedy for New Jersey basketball. And and I think that's I think that's could happen if if people don't come to their senses or if things don't align well and work out. I think you're you're headed toward loggerheads with this potentially. So on my fingers are crossed that the cancellations and the stars all align and the buys and there's a week will present itself where these teams can say, hey, I have an opening, you have an opening, we need a game you need a game, let's play. I do think if that happened, I think, you know, both coaches would say, okay, let's do it. Whether it's a neutral court or they go to Walsh or go to the Prudential Center, probably, and just say, you know what, we'll consider it a neutral court for for rotation purposes because there's no one there. Uh, I think it could happen, but a lot has to align for that to now happen. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I think it's probably a long shot and, uh, my hope is that is that they put, you know they think this not just totally die, because really, like I said, what a, what a shame that would be. So we'll see, but uh, I think you, you're going to have to not count on seeing that game this year, and it kind of stinks. Well,
1: we'll cross our fingers that a date opens up, and of course we'll cross our fingers that we have a full college basketball season this year. Jerry Carino of the Asbury Park Press. Jerry, as always, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining me, as always, and I look forward to having you on later this year.
2: Yeah, enjoy it, Lance. This is this is one of those years where if you're a Rutgers fan, you've been waiting for this. So, like I said, the only thing that's going against you is the world. It ain't the basketball because the basketball team is going to be really, really good. So hopefully, we'll be able to get them to see, see, get them to see them play the full complement. Knock on wood.
1: Knock on wood. Knock on (laughs) wood. Knock on wood. Always, Jerry. Thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, Lance. Take care.
1: He is the voice of Rutgers Scarlet Knights basketball, and he joins me now to discuss the team as they get set to open the 2020-2021 season. I am very happy to be joined by Jerry Recco. Jerry, thanks so much for coming on and giving me some time today.
0: My pleasure, Lance. How are
1: you? I'm doing good, and I'll be doing a lot better as long as we first and foremost have a season this year, which of course seems to always be so up in the air now with it looks like left and right programs having to quarantine themselves. For a couple weeks, but I want to start the interview with you as a broadcaster. Big moments and big calls are, I think, amplified in part by the crowd around you. There's nothing like hearing you and Joe call a, a big GO3 while also hearing the roar of the rack behind you. That won't be the case this season what will it be like have you thought about that moment of i guess calling a game winner or calling a big three sitting at the rack with only 150 or so other people there
0: um yes and no i mean i think first and foremost uh most of these arenas and i know the rack will um they will have some piped in crowd noise to give an atmosphere and i know that sounds weird but i was able to run by there a little bit last week and kind of see what that was like and I got to tell you, it wasn't nuts. It actually felt like a game. So, from that standpoint, not a big deal. In terms of not having a big crowd there, no disrespect meant at all. But I did do, you know, 11 years of Ivy League basketball. And while the Ivy League games were packed, you would play non conference games with very few people in them and get very good games. And you would have big moments in non conference games. And to me, The moment is what the moment is. The crowd adds to it. But I think if you're into the game as a broadcaster, it should
1: still stand up as a big play. So on to the team. Last year, look, they did enough to achieve their goal of making the NCAA tournament. But look, unfortunately, because of COVID, that goal was never fulfilled. Speaking with Coach Peichel, do you know or think that this group with basically everyone on the team having experienced that heartbreak last year is using it? Is using not getting to the tournament, I should say, as motivation heading into this year? Or do you think it's just something that's in the past and it'll stay in the past?
0: No, I think, you know, the players feel like something was taken away from them. So I don't think there's any question that they're coming back hungrier and more motivated. Um, I think the coaching staff has moved on, and rightly so. I think they've got their eyes on this season. I will tell you, you know, a couple of times, and this is unlike any other year, we're at this point... Going into a year, I would have seen them half a dozen times at least. I've only seen the team a couple of times on the floor, but I'll tell you what I've seen. They look outstanding. They look bigger. They look faster. They look more athletic. I do believe the team's better than last year. Um, So, yeah, I'm sure the players use it as motivation for sure, but at the end of the day, they're a darn good basketball team, and I think that's all
1: they'll need to be. One player, as we start to look at individuals, one player I'm really looking forward to watching this year is Jacob Young. Look, he started slow after missing what was a whole year because he had to sit out. He really got it going towards the middle and end of last season. From everything I've heard, he's really stood out this off season. Where did you see the biggest improvement from JY last year, and how much more of a factor do you think he can be on both sides of the ball now that he doesn't have to get all of that rust off like he did at the beginning of last season?
0: Well, I think defensively, he's he's tremendous. I mean, he's, he's a ball of energy, number number one. He can get up in your grill. Um, I feel like he can guard anybody. So you know what you're going to get on the defensive end with him. Offensively, to me, it's as simple as don't turn the ball over. When he doesn't turn the ball over, we know he can get to the basket. We know he can get to the free throw line. If he doesn't turn the basketball over, he's as good as anybody. He really is. And. You know, as I said, I've seen him a couple of times this year. He looks in mid-season form right now. So, excited for what you're going to see from Jacob Young this season.
1: And did you hear at all from Coach Peikle? Because obviously it's a good sign that a player like Jacob Young, and I'm sure others as well, they really haven't had the normal off-season that they do. But you said Jacob Young, for example, is in mid-season form. Did you hear from Coach Peichel at all how the players were doing or what they were doing to get themselves ready during the off-season when they were home to make sure that when they were able to come back to campus that they were ready to go, that there wasn't that rust of having not played team basketball in what was, you know, from March till at least June.
0: Well, I think that goes to the staff and, you know, the, the, the trainers and the, the assistants and everybody's monitoring what everybody was doing. Uh, they had an idea. Uh, we did talk about that I did a, a Zoom conference with Coach and some season ticket holders, and it was a really good hour-long conversation last week, and you know, we did, we talked about the off-season and the responsibilities that the players had to have and did have, and I don't think there's one guy that didn't come in in better shape than when the season was abruptly halted back in March. So to me, they haven't played a game yet, but I give them all a hand because they look like they're ready to go, and it does not look like anybody struggled from, you know, COVID eating, if you will, or anybody getting out of shape. This team looks good, primed,
1: and ready to rock. What's your take on the freshman class? Look, all eyes are going to be on Cliff, you know, the, one of the highest rated recruits in Rutgers history. But Mawat Mog, Oscar Palmquist, and Dean Reber will all get opportunities too. From the limited time you've seen the four of them, what stands out to you about the group and the impact that they could make this season?
0: Um, They can shoot. Uh, Cliff, as you already mentioned, kind of know what he wants. He looks like he—he he looks like he can get up and down the floor. He can shoot it. He can slash. He can defend. He looks as good as advertised. I didn't know anything about Reber or Mawat, and watching them um, the other day, Mawat looked outstanding. He was shooting the three. Um, you know, defensively, I thought outstanding. And Reber looks like he can do a, a bunch of different things. Good body. Look, here's what I would say about this team, and this is where the freshman class comes into play. They, they legit seem like they're 10, 12 deep, and I joked with Coach on the Zoom call the other night, you know, good luck finding the rotation in terms of finding playing time because there are so many different ways he can go, and that's a credit to him and the recruiting and all that. But he's going to have in-game decisions to make because I think he's got so many different guys that have versatility and can be a big part of the rotation and what they want to do. But, yeah, from what I saw so far, you have to love what they brought in. And then not to mention, you look at, you know, Oscar Palmquist, who, every time he shoots the ball, he, you know, he's got a left-handed shot. It looks like it's going in every time. So you got a lot of newcomers. I know they lost a Quasi for sure, but they got a lot of newcomers on this team, and I feel like they can all contribute right away.
1: And I guess, what do you think are more reasonable expectations for cliff because look fans are going to have their eyes on him we all have since he first committed to Rutgers months ago fans are going to want to see big things from him because he is so highly touted but of course at the end of the day he's a freshman and he's never played in the college game before and the college game's a lot different than the high school game he can't just use his size and use his body to to bully people maybe like he could in high school what do you think are reasonable expectations for Cliff this season, knowing that he still has a learning curve now going into the Big Ten? You know what the beauty of
0: bringing Cliff in is he doesn't have to be the savior. This team's really good. Um, I think, A, I think he'll help right away, first and foremost, because he looks to be that good of a player. That having been said, you know, they've got size. They've got strength. Um, they've got, you know, Miles is still going to be what he is. I don't want to say ease into it. That's not fair because I don't think Cliff is going to ease into anything. Watching him play, though, he looks like the type of guy that's going to be in attack mode and he's going to be a defensive gem. Uh, He really does. So I think you can expect him to be a really good player. And, you know, if it takes him a couple of days to get into it, a couple of games rather to get into it, so be it. I think as long as you're ready, you know, when you kind of turn that calendar to January, I think you're good. I mean, that's what the non-conference games are for but I do actually expect him to be
1: good right from the bat because he just looks that good, you know, from what I've seen. You know, I mentioned earlier the development in-season last year of Jacob Young, and I think we can say the same about Paul Mulcahy. I think he had those freshman jitters early on, but once he got settled, especially in Big Ten play, he really made an impact. What about him and his development? Has you excited as he heads into now his sophomore season as a more comfortable, more established player for Rutgers?
0: Better every game, right, Lance? I mean, that's what he was last year. And i agree with you he had a couple of good games early on and then he kind of you know might have had of the chitters if you want to call it whatever it might be but to me the way he finished the season was the most impressive thing and that tells me that he is ready for a big 2021 and i you know the other part of that is you know not needing geo to control and run the point you've got guys whether it's Mulcahy, whether it's jacob young Uh, Gosh, Ron Harper Jr. can bring the ball up the floor. They've got guys that can do it, and it's going to free up Geo to do other things, and Mulcahy will be a huge, huge part of that.
1: How do you see Steve Peichel balancing Miles and Cliff? Look, both have immense talent. Both can be forces inside, but both can also be prone to picking up fouls, as we heard, and I spoke with, in fact, Jerry Carino a little while ago. He said that, you know, the one thing Cliff might have to work on that Miles still has to work on is defending without fouling. How have you talked to Coach, or or has he mentioned, I should say, anything about the plan in balancing playing time between the two bigs?
0: Well, they have to mature. They have to learn. I mean, that's something he did talk about the other night. Um, The one good thing is, you know, now it's not worried about five fouls. Now you're worried about ten. I mean, you've got two guys out there that can play together. One can be on the bench. One can be on the floor. But the bottom line is you've got really good size and you've got ten fouls to play with, not to mention Mamadou DeGoury gives you a good defensive presence, good size. Um, There are different things he can do. There's no doubt that it's something that is discussed and talked about. But it's going to be, ultimately, as you know, up to the player, to make sure that they mature in that way. And they also know when to pick their spots. I mean, you know, if you go out there, you've seen, whether it's Coach Peichel, whether it's an NBA coach, depending upon the game, the situation where you're at, there are certain games you might be able to leave them in, or you might need to leave them in, with three fouls. You know, you pick up that quick third foul, early second half. Well, you might need to ride them and hope they can play smarter. Other games, you know, you might be able to put them on the bench until the midway point of the second half. I think all of that is determined by the spot, the situation, the game, where they're at in the season. But ultimately, it does come down to those two players playing the right way and picking their spots. And the referees, by the way, are a big part of that, too, understanding early on the way a game is going to be called.
1: So you've seen Gio every year of his career, now entering his senior season. He's the face of the program, widely regarded as one of the clutchest players, not only in the Big Ten, but the country. But you know he said it, he still has unfinished business, as he uh, put it, and wants to get Rutgers, of course, back to the NCAA tournament. Looking back at the last three years, now heading into the fourth, what has impressed you most about Gio going from an under-the-radar freshman, having a big Big Ten tournament uh, back at Madison Square Garden, to now one of the really premier guards, not only in the conference, but really in the sport? I
0: would say, can I say everything? (laughs) Because, you know, when you look at him as a player and you saw him as a freshman, develop that year, as the team has become his, and let's be honest, you mentioned he's the face of the team, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, The thing that impresses me the most about him is that I really can't think of any time where I felt like the moment was too big for him. Uh, He certainly had a couple of down games and a couple of stretches where maybe he wasn't playing his best, but I can show you stretches where great NBA players have that too. No one is going to be at the top of their game and have their shot every night. And what's amazing to me about him, it's kind of like what we were just talking about with the big guys and, and recognizing the reps the way they're calling a game. I feel like he recognizes... When he's got it, when he doesn't. And, you know, if he's going to be an assist man on a given night, if he's going to worry about defense, if he's got it all, he just seems to get it. And, you know, as I said, the moment's never too big, man. Tie game, down a point, down two, you give it to Tio. It's amazing to me the way he can create his own shot, and he has. And it's also more times than not, as you've seen it, he makes it. Not all the time, but more times than not, he seems to make it. So, To me, everything about him impresses me, not to mention the fact he seems to be one of the nicest kids you ever want to be around, and he carries himself that way too.
1: Look, I'm sure Rutgers fans can't wait to see his step-back jumper as many times as they can on TV this season. Jerry, a couple more before I let you go. Look, we hope a season will start. There are obviously dates set for games. How are you feeling now, though, as we sit a few days from the opening game? Are you excited, nervous for what this season might bring with COVID playing a factor? What's your gut, I guess, telling you about how this college basketball landscape will kind of play out now over the next four to five months?
0: I'm hopeful that it starts on Wednesday the 25th. Um, I think games will be played. And I also think that there are going to be pauses in the season, ultimately, they need to get a college basketball season in. And, you know, it's not, and I know it's mostly for money. I, I totally get that. The NCAA needs to have a, a season. They need to have a tournament. They lost tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars last year. So I understand all that. I also understand, too, as a dad, that these kids need to get out there and play. And they want to get out there and play. Uh, Ron Harper, I believe, was quoted as saying last week, You know, not for, and I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of not for one second has he ever thought of not playing. You know, they've got incredible protocols put into place. And I think if the kids do what they're supposed to be doing and continue to do what they have been doing, there will be a season now. Will they get 25 games in? Great question. And I don't know that I can answer that. But I do think you'll get somewhere between, let's say, 17 and 25 games in. I do believe there'll be a Big Ten tournament, I do believe there'll be an NCAA tournament, but there will be bumps along the road to know how to navigate our way
1: through it. Jerry, last one from me. What heights do you think this team can reach? How high do you think this team can go? Because for many this season, it's not just about making the tournament. This season for a lot of fans, it's about now seeing how much damage they can do in March.
0: Yeah, and I understand that, and it's funny, too, because in a weird way, it's unfair from the standpoint of no one on this roster has played in the NCAA tournament, and while they were an NCAA tournament team last year, albeit unofficial, we knew they were going. The one thing, though, that cannot be discounted is the fact that they didn't go, and they didn't get a a chance to kind of feel what it was like. They didn't play on that stage. So there's really no experience in that way. Now other teams have done that too and have done very well. How far can they go? I think this team is supremely talented. I mean they're going to start the season in the top 25. You know, are they an NCAA championship team? I don't know. But should they and are they good enough to win some games in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, they get there? Yeah, I think they are. And I think that's a great expectation to
1: have. The voice of Rutgers basketball, Jerry Recco. Jerry, thanks so much for coming on. We look forward to listening to you and Joe Boylan during every game this season. Of course, most importantly now, stay healthy and be safe. Thanks, Lance. Right back at you. Enjoyed it. I want to thank Jerry Carino and Jerry Recco for coming on the podcast to talk Rutgers basketball as we sit now a few days prior to the start of the 2020-2021 season. This team, it'll be exciting to watch this year. And as I said at the beginning, expectations are NCAA tournament. And the fact is, this team should reach those expectations. You can even make an argument that expectations are greater than that, and many fans, in fact, probably look at success this year not by making the tournament, but by winning games in the tournament. But of course, let's all keep our fingers crossed, right? Let's knock on wood. Let's do whatever voodoo we have to do so that this season starts with the regular season and ends with the national championship game in the NCAA tournament. Cancellations, postponements, even stoppages, look, they're inevitable. Whether it happens to Rutgers or other teams that they may face, we will see, but it's something we have to deal with, and I think ultimately we'll get through it. This team is smart, and we all know Coach Peichel has them prepared so that they do not cause any missed games. Look, the Big Ten, as it always is, it's going to be tough, but how great does it feel to see Rutgers finally towards the top of it? How great does it feel to see Rutgers ranked in the top 25? How great does it feel to go in with the hope and the belief that this team will make the NCAA tournament? We have seen now entering year five under Steve Peichel, this team get better and better every season. Last year, we all thought that was the end of the decades-long streak of missing the NCAA tournament, but look, unfortunately, COVID took it away. But now this year, I think we all kind of sit here in unison that this is the season where that streak comes to an end. So, Rutgers fans, this will be a fun season, and the streak should and hopefully will end. Big things have been happening here at Rutgers, and this season, I have a feeling, the biggest is yet to come here on The Banks. Follow
0: On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore sbnation,
2: and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.